Welcome, everyone. It's a good day to be in God's Word. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life. Our program is presented by the International Disciple-Making Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. Let me encourage you to learn more about the amazing work that we're doing all around the world. You can follow all the links from our webpage, breadoflifeboise.org. But now, let's turn our focus on the Bible. We're considering the topic of the new birth, or what is called regeneration. The challenge of addressing this topic from Scripture is not finding a passage that teaches it. It's the challenge of choosing a passage from the many that do teach this wonderful truth of the new life. He that hears my word and believes him that sent me has eternal life and has come not into judgment, but has passed from death into life. We'll look at other passages this morning, but they're replete. In fact, the challenge in speaking on the topic of regeneration is that there is so much information on it, you don't know where to begin. G.K. Chesterton made the comment that because all roads lead to Rome, very few people get there. They don't know which road to start at. There's just too many, too many options. There are some topics of Scripture that are hard to get at and to boil down into sharp points of conversation simply because there's so much of Scripture that speaks to the topic. The mind is overwhelmed into a certain kind of submission of worship at the theme, and regeneration is one of those topics. There's just so much information. There's so many angles and pathways that you can take that speak to this work of God in the life of the saved individual. You'll find it on every page of the New Testament. You'll find that everything in the Old Testament was built up to open up the realities of this regenerate life to us. Interestingly enough, as individuals, we tend to speak most resolutely. We tend to take our strongest stands of conviction on topics which we have the least amount of information about. So if you want to read about spiritual warfare, you can go to Ephesians chapter 6, and there are all kinds of books on spiritual warfare. If you want to read about spiritual giftedness, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and there are some other passages you can go to, but there's no real ongoing specific detail to exactly what those gifts are or what they look like. Interestingly enough, as a result, people are free to give all kinds of opinions those opinions begin to congeal into convictions, convictions that they're willing to fight for and even start denominations for and churches. And it's built around a passage that's somewhat limited. If you want to read about the position on divorce, you can go to Matthew chapter 19. And well, as you read the various writings on the position on divorce, you'll basically find that there's just about two positions you can hold. And that's just enough positions for you to strongly square off against the other man and push him out of your church if he doesn't agree. The reason you can take such a strong position is because there's such limited information on the topic. And so you're free to range in your own opinion, free to grab hold of your own strong convictions. It just seems that the strength of our convictions oftentimes is inversely related to the weakness or limited resource of information about that conviction because we get to develop our opinions about it as a result. Having said that, there's not a lot of material on regeneration. There's not a lot of sermons that are preached on regeneration. And yet, if you open up your Bible and you turn to the New Testament, you can hardly get through a page or a few verses without finding the topic, giving life and breathing information, anything about 
growth or maturity or our promise or our community or our comfort or any place in where Paul is addressing brothers or sisters or the body of Christ, which is all of the New Testament, is rooted in this reality of being born again, this wonderful truth of regeneration. It overwhelms us. It's all before us. There's not a lot of room for our own conjecture. And so as a result, well, we don't write about it very much. We don't think about it very much. We don't preach on it very much. We can't be very original with the topic because there's just so much information. And yet, it is from this reality of regeneration that everything that pertains to the Christian and Christianity arises. And so we're going to go back and reconsider what it means to be regenerate, that is, to be born again. The word regeneration is only used in reference to this spiritual transaction one time in the New Testament. It's a theological term. It's a word that's used because it embodies all the various ways and manners in which God communicates this reality of a transformed life. So let's just remember what we said last week. Regeneration is an internal work where God makes us a whole new person by, through the Spirit, putting His life and the life of His Son in us. Through the Spirit's indwelling, Christ abides in us. God lives in us. And we become whole new people from the inside out. We mentioned that there are two great pillars in the doctrine of salvation. One is the pillar of justification where God, because of the suffering of Jesus Christ in our behalf and because we've received Him, God counts our sins as paid for. Our sins are covered and God renders a verdict towards us that we're guilty, we're innocent. Not only that, God not only sees us as guilty and innocent, but He applies to the account of our life all of the goodness of Jesus Christ so that God declares us positively righteous. And this is a declaration, this is a work that God declares from heaven. It's in heaven. We are justified before the throne of God. Regeneration is the other great pillar, but regeneration is a work that God does here on earth in our hearts and lives. It's not some, an external statement He declares over us, but it's an internal change in our very being in which God comes now and lives within us. And He transforms us. A Scottish preacher by the name of Henry Scougal wrote a book back in the 17th century. The book is a wonderful book. The title is worth the book just to have it on your shelf. It says this, it is the life of God in the soul of man. That's regeneration. That's what it means. One of my favorite illustrations, and I know I've shared it more than once in our fellowship. I'll share another one later in the message that I've shared before as well. Is one taken from Donald Gray Barnhouse. He describes this moment in which a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, repents of their sin, puts their faith in Jesus Christ, turns to Him, and they're regenerate. And the Spirit comes and dwells in them. That's the promise that Peter said would be given to all those who repented and put their faith in Christ in Acts chapter 2. And at that moment, they get all of the Holy Spirit. Now he says, imagine a man from Kansas who's a farmer from Kansas, and he gets in his truck, and he drives out to the Pacific Ocean, and he's never seen the ocean before. And he's overwhelmed by the immensity and the beauty and the majesty of the ocean and the great resonating sound of the deep as it comes as it foams up before you and crashes upon the shoreline. And it's just so wonderful, he tries to think of a way to show it to his friends. He runs back to his truck, he gets an old glass cur jar from behind the seat, goes down, scoops a little bit of sand in it, scoops a little bit of ocean water in it, puts the lid back on it, gets in his truck and drives back to Kansas, goes down to the barber shop to tell his friends about the wonder, the beauty of the Pacific Ocean, 
tries to wax as eloquent as he can to talk about and describe how wonderful it is, realizes that they're just not getting the image he wants to communicate to them. So he says, listen, I'll show you what it looks like. He runs out to his truck, grabs his cur jar, comes back into the barbershop and says, there it is. There is the Pacific Ocean. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it beautiful? And we scoff because you cannot get all of the Pacific Ocean into a cur jar. But when a man or a woman believingly trusts in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior at that very moment, the creator of all the universe gets all of himself into us. That's regeneration. That's why the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 3, it's a mystery. It's a mystery that God does this for us. It's this internal transformation that he makes within us. That's why in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, we can say, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. How much greater? The God of all eternity is in me. That's why Paul can say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? It's a mystery. It's wonderful. These are verses that are talking about, in reality, regeneration. They may be honing in on one specific element and expression of it, but that's what it's speaking of. That's what it's rooted in. The second thing that we said last week, and it's the only other thing we said last week, is that this regenerate person, this person, this new person in Christ, is the individual to which the New Testament primarily speaks. When you read the New Testament and you begin to study it, you begin to recognize that everything addressed in the New Testament is to that transformed man. If you understand that, you understand that when you read a passage like we read this morning in Romans chapter 12, where we're told, I beseech you therefore, brethren, brothers, that's because you're a member of a family, because you've been born again, you've been regenerate. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And then you go down to verse 9 and you read all the kinds of things that we're being instructed and how to live. When you read that, what you need to understand, if you understand that the New Testament is writing to and addressing a regenerate person, a person who has God dwelling within them, you realize when you're reading it that what you're reading is not instructions on how to become a Christian. We said this last week. They're not telling you how to bake the cake of Christianity. What the authors are doing is they're laying out the table before you of this world and this life and showing you how to live the fruit of God's life within you before the world around you so that God will be glorified, so that man will be blessed. That's what it's doing. It's not addressing how you become a Christian or what you need to do to be a Christian, but it's just telling us how the Christian lives. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 affirms what I'm just saying here. There it says, we are the circumcision. We are the circumcision. That is, the ones whose hearts have been circumcised, whose lives have been changed internally, who worship by the Spirit of God, glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Now listen, the New Testament is written to that kind of individual. And it's giving instructions for that kind of individual to encourage them and exhort them in this life that's been given to them. 
The Christian doesn't struggle to be a Christian. The Christian just is. And he finds gladly these opportunities and these wonderful instructions from godly men and women who the Spirit has spoken through, directing us to express the energy and the life of God within us in order that we might live it out to the greatest advantage to those around us, to our own benefit and blessing, and to God's glory in the world. That's what the New Testament is written to. It's written to the regenerate man. It's a reason why an individual is unregenerate, reads the Bible, and it doesn't make sense to him. It wasn't written for him. It was written for us. There are messages in there that tell us how an individual can come and believe in the gospel and receive forgiveness of sins and claim the promise of eternal life and can become transformed by repenting of their sins and believing in the Savior who has died in their place upon the cross and receiving them in their lives. There are passages where we can gather that, but really those passages were written to the regenerate person so that we would know how to communicate that truth to others and so that we could replay in our minds the history of what God had done by His Spirit and our own lives. And bless Him. Here's our third point on regeneration. A person with this new life in him finds that life expressing itself in consistent ways. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.